Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 167 of Blue Jays Nation Radio brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca, the 2023 EGR brand of the year. Check out all their odds, including live up to the minute on tonight's Blue Jays Orioles game. As Toronto looks to get back in the series, we'll talk about what's happening on the field in just a second here. It is our trade deadline recap edition of the podcast. Your Chuck and Coombsy with you. Brandon's going to be stopping by in a bit to take us around the American League East. Coombsy, when you look at the activity we saw on deadline day around Major League Baseball, it wasn't as popping as maybe I expected. Was I wrong to maybe expect like a few more big splashes around the league? No, I think the um, Major League Baseball trade deadline is is going to be different now moving forward. There's so many teams that are in the mix for playoff spots, so many middling teams that could potentially make it that are like, yeah, you know what? Let's have like a a go down the stretch and try this thing out as opposed to, oh, you know, there's only six playoff teams. So half of the league, if not more, are sellers. It's just it's a different world now with the um, with the extra wildcard teams. Plus, also this year, you have a you have a pretty weak free agent class coming up this winter. So there just weren't that many rental names out there. I mean, really outside of the New York Mets opting to sell off Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, they're just really wasn't that much going on around at all the names and it's just middling players it was almost like the nhl trade deadline when it's you know so and so team getting a depth defenseman or a penalty killer for a third round pick it it really felt like that and that really is kind of what the jays did too we had talked kind of the better part of a month now about how the jays need to go and add an impact right at bat and you know who knows maybe they would have if what happened the night before didn't happen, and that's Bo Bichette pulling up as he rounds first base in the moment, that was a beyond frightening thing to see because anytime you see those like non-contact things and it's around the knee, I've watched enough football in my life to know that that usually isn't a good thing when a guy is just running and then pulls up all of a sudden and can't walk anymore. It was concerning. The biggest news of deadline day for the Jays was definitely that it doesn't seem like a long-term injury for Bo Bichette. Maybe at some point he needs an IL stint. For now, he's listed as day-to-day. But that forces Ross Atkins, in a way, to go out and make sure they're covered in the middle infield. He goes and gets Paul DeYoung from the St. Louis Cardinals. Third deal in a couple of weeks between the Jays and Cardinals as well. They probably should have just done it all in one big move a while back. Um, But what do you make of that DeYoung acquisition? I like that cost was low. And he covers a clear need like that move in isolation, I think, is a big win for the Jays. 
Yeah, they traded back um, Matt Svansson, who's a high A relief pitcher. I mean, he has really good numbers for Vancouver and for 23, 24-year-old pitching at that level. Probably not going to get tremendously excited about that. But I guess from the Jays' perspective, as scary as that bow injury was, and you 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 obviously never wish this happens ever, but it's good that that did happen on the Monday game as opposed to, you know, Tuesday's game shortly after the deadline or on Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. Because at least Ross Atkins then had time to go and pull the trigger on a deal. It's pretty obvious that they... The, the Blue Jays and the Cardinals had been thinking about DeYoung previously because, you know, of course, they made the two deals for the pitchers, Jordan Hicks, Genesis Cabrera. Those came earlier. And then even going all the way back into the offseason, there was the the Blue Jays and Cardinals were rumored to be uh, to be partners that would link up on a trade involving a catcher. There was all the talk that Danny Jansen might be the next catcher that the Cardinals acquire after Yadier Molina retired. Uh, nothing came into fruition, but here we are and they meet up on three different trades. So the timing worked out nicely for the Jays as nicely as it can when a, your best player gets injured because they went ahead and, you know, filled that hole immediately. But what the, what the Jays have kind of done here is they've essentially upgraded on the Santiago Espinal position, which is backup shortstop, sometimes second kind of a right handed bat who can hit lefties pretty well. Espinal was really good in that role last year. He made the all star team, albeit as, you know, through the fan vote, but he was elite defensively at both middle infield positions. He lefties very well. He hit righties just okay. But then this year it's all gone. It's even in the platoon role, he's not hitting left handed pitching all that well. Even his glove hasn't been as good this year as it was last. And that's really his call as a player. So it makes sense. This was a spot to upgrade though i think all of us were hoping for that big power hitting right-handed bat that i mean to be honest we we, we talked about it all through july we we're talking about it in june talking about it in the winter time back in january february it was the bow on top of this offseason could be adding a adam duvall or a robbie grossman or an andrew mccutcheon somebody who can smack dingers off of lefty pitching and it just never happened yeah, so that was the big move that did happen on deadline day. It happened pretty early on as well with the deadline not coming till 6 p.m. Eastern. And it got Blue Jays Twitter riled up, man. It was like, okay, we got Hicks. We got DeJong or DeYoung. And now we need that big righty bat. We need to go out and solidify that part of the order. And I think, you know, the frustration was probably built on a little bit when you consider how the first two games of this series against the Orioles have gone. But again, we'll talk about that in just a second. The hot rumor was that the Jays were in on Teoscar Hernandez. even. Throughout the day, by multiple insiders, the Jays were called the front runners to get Teoscar Hernandez from the Seattle Mariners. They end up holding on to him. And listen, I don't know if that's a good or bad move by the Seattle Mariners. They're three and a half games back of a wild card spot, three and a half back of the Jays for a wild card spot, but they have to jump the Yankees, Angels, and Red Sox just to get there. Maybe it was one of those scenarios, Coomsey, where the Mariners sat there and said, Hey, look, if all we're getting are like high A ball prospects, like the Jays gave up to St. Louis, if that's all we're getting, it's worth more to us to give our fan base a jolt and give ourselves a chance to try climb into one of those playoff spots. Maybe that was the situation, but I'm still surprised Tay Oscar didn't get moved. And I'm very surprised the Jays didn't go out and get that power right handed bat from somewhere else if they learned they couldn't get Tay Oscar. Yeah, it really seemed like Teoscar was the fit. We all know the Jays need the big right-handed bat. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that if the Jays went and got a Teoscar or a Tim Anderson or, you know, I don't even know who the big right-handed bat this year's market going around and looking at who got traded, Randall Grichuk, I don't know. Even if the Jays went and did that, I don't think it's going to 
suddenly change their offense from being what it's been this season to what it should be. At the end of the day, what it's going to request guys like Vladdy Jr., guys like George Springer hitting to their capability. But I mean, yeah, it's weird because there, there's that clear hole. And then there was all the talk about Teoscar. And it really did seem to make a lot of sense for the Jays as a fit. Because we talked about this in the podcast last time. If there was any way to give this team's uh, the locker room, the bench, whatever you want to call it, a spark. And it's bringing back a guy like Teoscar, who was a you know a really well liked teammate, a like a good vibes guy, as we've as we've mentioned many a times. But it didn't come into fruition. And I, I think that kind of goes back to what I said right off the hop: is that the MLB trade deadline now is a lot more like the NHL trade deadline, where more than half of the teams in the league are in the mix for the playoffs. Like you just said, Seattle's only a handful of games back at the Jays. How does it look optically to your fans that you're like, all right? We paid a pretty good price to acquire this guy in the offseason. We traded away Eric Swanson. He's a good reliever. We traded away um, Adam Mako, the, pro- the pitching prospect. He's he's an interesting prospect. We trade him away for Teoscar. And then halfway through the year, with three games back of the Jays for the last tra- playoff spot, we trade him back for, you know, their number 30 prospect or whatever it winds up being, right? Like, I think what you said is accurate. It's just, you know, maybe your team gets hot. You can jump into a playoff spot, whatever. You're, you're better off just, just seeing what happens than you are throwing in a towel because that's just such a bad look for your fans, right? Yeah, totally. Like, again, if all you're getting, as you said, is the 31st prospect on the Jays list, that's a tough one to sell to the fan base. And as much as maybe it was the smart would have been the smart business thing to do, the smart baseball operations thing to do. It's just, I I don't blame a front office for not wanting to do that, especially when again, you're only three and a half games back and there's still two months of baseball left to play from a Jays perspective. Again, disappointing that they didn't go out and address that. And again, I think that feeling is heightened a little bit when you've already lost back-to-back games to the Orioles and a, not a make or break series, but I think it's kind of close to it, especially when you're considering the way it's trending on a whole. When you consider Cabrera, Hicks and DeJong, let's play the game of slap a grade on it. I think I'm kind of at like a B, like B minus feels harsh. B plus feels too optimistic. They did go out and get an impact reliever. We know that will help down the stretching on playoff time. They've covered themselves now a little bit when it comes to a potential Bo Bichette injury and de jong will help if he can play second as well they made a couple of good moves but it left me wanting more yeah they and the trouble is is we kind of built up an expectation in our head and that's what was going on with the teoscar rumors is a lot of us got really excited about something that might happen and then it didn't and with with what you said it was a like a b level trade deadline but it felt like there was more to be done, but also on the flip side of that, look around at the players that were traded, like outside of those exciting pitchers, Scherzer and Verlander winding up on Texas and Houston, what names were that were traded that, that people would have wanted. And yeah. furthermore to that, like the, the, the same people that are saying this is all, Chief Atkins, Cleveland crew trade deadline, they're not going to do anything, are the same ones that would have been pissed off if Ricky Tiedemann or Addison Barger or Elvis Martinez, one of those bigger prospect names, got traded for whoever. The, the sentiment would have been, well, look at this team. They're mediocre. They're not good enough. They're not worth the upgrade. It's kind of one of those you can't win situations. So I, I think quite honestly, if like I said before, if the Jays are going to hit their stride and become the team they can be, it's going to be because Vladdy hit keeps up in the second half. George Springer finds his groove. The pitching's good. Like, you know, the the 
what will result in the Jays improving? It's all internal. And I, I think it probably makes more sense that given the market was very much so oriented to the small teams that were selling opposed to the, you know, dozen teams that were buying, I think it was better for the Jays this year not to go ahead and sell off their what's left of their farm. They don't have a great farm system right now because of all the trades they've made in the past few years. I don't think there was anything out there that was really that worthwhile. Yeah, I think it's one of those, you know, they're in their window, right? It's win now mode for the Jays. But being in win now mode doesn't mean you spend stupid either. Like, would would the Mariners have given you Teoscar if you offered up Nate Pearson? Yeah, (laughs) probably. But that would have been an incredibly dumb thing to do. If you offered Addison Barger, like you said, or or Levis Martinez, yeah, you probably could have went and gotten a bat to help you for the next two months. But I I, I don't know if that's if that's smart spending. Uh, You talked. You mentioned Barger in that conversation. A lot of people in the immediate aftermath of the deadline yesterday were looking at the DFA options. Trey Mancini DFA'd by the Cubs. Nelson Cruz DFA'd a while back by the Padres and going, boom. You want to take a stab at a right-handed bat who can maybe get hot for a few weeks and help you down the stretch? There's two guys. Ross Atkins comes out and says he prefers the team's internal options over those DFA guys. Who are those internal options he's talking about? I think the one name that that stands out, and he's not a forty man roster name, is Davis Schneider, who's put up like a, he 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 leads the organization in home runs, playing for the Buffalo Bisons. He's a, was a late draft pick a few years ago, just kind of a prospect that's really come out of nowhere. He's got like a nine fifty OPS playing in AAA. That's somebody that I think the Jays are already in a difficult fan roster crunch. So going out and signing Nelson Cruz as a free agent and finding out how to get him onto the roster when you're already scrambling to find spots for Ryu. You're going to have to find one for Chad Green right away. Like it's already a bit of a what they're dealing with. So, I mean, if you're going to add someone to the 40, then you might as well add one of these internal guys and give them a shot, right? There's, you know, Spencer Horowitz, he was up earlier as well, switch hitter. Um, he's done really quite well in Buffalo. Barger, who we've mentioned before as well, left-handed bat, so it doesn't really fit the need quite as much. But, you know, going down the stretch, maybe it's more worthwhile to give one of these young guys a shot, see what they can contribute, see if they can find a role on the team, and that's kind of what they do moving forward as opposed to a, a Mancini or a Cruz who obviously doesn't really have a role in the team moving forward beyond this year. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that as well. There's the element of there's value in finding out what you have in some of these guys ahead of next season too, as much as that really isn't the Jays mindset and priority here, there's still value in giving some of these guys, some major league at bats here down at the stretch. Uh, the Jays sit at 59 and 49, holding on to that third wild card spot. We talked about how there really wasn't a lot going on around major league baseball in terms of, I mean, specifically impactful bats being traded. We had some big name arms get moved. Uh, let's take a look at what else happened around the American League and bring in our boy Brandon Douglas to recap it all. Brando, take us through kind of a team-by-team approach here and and talk to us about what happened around, let's start with the American League East. Uh, well, it looks like my cameras decided to stop working this exact moment. So you know what? We've been fighting the tech issues all day here. Let's just roll yeah. right through it nonetheless. <laughs> um, I, I do have some good news for you guys. So starting at the bottom of the American League East, the New York Yankees, if we're handing out letter grades for you guys talked about the Jays, maybe coming around a B or B minus area. I think the Yankees are on academic probation because they did not choose any direction. They, they acquired two kind of relievers that neither of the name really moves the needle. Spencer Howard from Texas. That was just sent out for cash considerations. Then Kenyon Middleton from the White Sox for Juan Carrela 
like neither of these move the needle in any direction. It's not selling. It's not adding. And it, I know they just got back Aaron Judge and they're kind of in wait and see mode on if he's actually going to last the rest of this season without re-aggravating that toe injury. But if you're a Yankees fan, frustration has to be at a boiling point here because of the way this season has gone with all the injury trouble, underperformance from big names on the roster. It's it's not looking great for the Yankees and down the stretch here unless they really turn things around and Aaron Judge goes uh, nuclear, superhuman. Uh, the playoffs look like more and more bleak with each passing day. They've lost two two straight games to the Rays as well here in, a, in another AL East interdivision rivalry. So uh, the Red Sox, they got a little more creative, not much in terms of adding. They got infielder Luis Urias from the Brewers, uh, sending pitcher Bradley Blay- Blaylock out the other way. Urias has been in AAA since the end of June, um, but it's kind of like a low-risk gamble for the Red Sox. He has upside. Uh, they haven't said if they're going to bring him up to the the big league roster or leave him down in AAA for the time being, but he's a guy that, from all reports, has some upside and might be able to contribute to the Red Sox at some point. Uh, but once again, not really adding, not really selling. Both the Yankees and Red Sox kind of standing pat. Let me jump in there quickly. Yeah. I want to, I want to get your take on this quickly. Like again, the Yankees seem pretty far out of the mix. The Red Sox, I mean, only a game and a half back to me. I thought just because they're the Yankees, they would do something, but I am actually a bit surprised we didn't see the Red Sox go out and try to make one significant ad considering just how close they are. And in a market like that, how much that playoff revenue could mean, which one of those two surprised you the most when it comes to their inactivity? Both of them. I thought, I thought they were close enough in the mix and knowing who they both are. Like this is, these are teams with fan bases who don't put up with shitty teams. And I mean, I'm the Yankees and the Red Sox are shitty teams right now. I, I think they're both playoff caliber teams and I wouldn't be shocked to see either of them make it in, but it's weird that, that they, they did, they didn't just go out and acquire even like a name, like a recognizable player. Like you see like a, a guy like Mancini or Cruz that's available. Like again, it may or may not move the needle. It might not do anything for you, but you know, there's, there's enough fan recognition with a player like that. that it kind of calms your fan base down a little bit, sells a few jerseys, gets people excited. You'd think they would have made a move like that, but they just they took such a such a shocking conservative approach that it's like, are these the same Yankees and Red Sox that we've known forever? Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's very kind of whatever counterintuitive what you think they usually do that uh brandon when you take a peek at the other teams we'll call them the the top end of this division with the orioles and rays they both added to their pitching staffs in interesting ways yeah tampa in particular i think made a move that almost flew under the radar like acquiring aaron savali from cleveland this is a guy that has a two three four era 104 whip um, in 13 starts, a five and two record. I mean, the Cleveland Guardians are not a good baseball team. They still might, you know, win the division nonetheless. <laughs> but once again, can't go an episode without dissing the the American mm-hmm. League Central. So, but he he's had a great season, and the Rays have been fighting injury trouble all year. They needed to add arm to their rotation, and they do so in a big way uh, with adding a big one. They send out first bagger, first baseman uh, Kyle Manzato for that. Uh, it's it's a move they can afford to do. They they have depth at that position and including all-star Yandy Diaz in particular. Uh, they also made another depth move, just getting catcher Alan, Alex Jackson, pardon me, from Milwaukee for pitcher Evan McKendry. So that was the, the quieter of the two moves. I think the continued sell-off by the Cardinals, which is what the Orioles took advantage of, getting Jack Flaherty from St. Louis, uh, that might have been the bigger 
bigger splash in terms of name value. But I think the Rays might have very quietly won the deadline in division here by making this acquisition. And we were interested, Coomzy, in uh, in what the Rays would do just because they've struggled so mightily in the last five weeks. It was like, okay, do they view themselves as a team who's just going through a slump or are they crashing back down to earth? Are they showing that there may be an average ball club? And it was, again, the Rays not being a team that traditionally is going to go out and make the big splash and spend huge at the deadline. The fact they went out and got an impactful arm like this, you know, covers a bit for the fact they lost Drew Rasmussen earlier in the season. I was surprised the Rays made as big of a splash as they did with the Savali deal. Yeah, you don't really expect that from Tampa. They always go when they make these low key moves where they get some relief pitcher or a prospect from a different team, a triple A guy who winds up being better than you'd expect. This, this, this was a little bit different than what we've seen from Tampa in the past, but they're close enough. And I think that if you're the Rays and you have the, the whole situation with them, you know, there, there's been all the talks about relocation. There's been all the, the issues with their stadium and this and that and getting people out to the trop to watch the games. You know, we, we, we just talked about this with, with New York and Boston. They have those fan bases that are so rabid. They want to see winners all the time. I think for Tampa, they got off to that amazing start and to wind up collapsing and not winning the division or. I mean, even, you never know, miss the playoffs altogether. That'd be a disaster. They had a historically good start. So I guess even with them crashing back to earth or whatever it is that's going on with them, I think if you're the GM of the Rays, then you see that and you're like, all right, we got to lean in because we don't want to be the team that had the best start ever and wound up missing the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brandon, uh, looking around the rest of the American League, if we want to talk about teams I was surprised weren't more active, to me, if you're the LA Angels and you sit there and you're like, all right, we're holding on to Shohei Otani. I feel like you could have, again, added an impact piece. Randall Grichuk's fine. CJ Crone, fine. Lucas Giolito, good arm. I like that trade. I thought, again, even considering their injuries, that they would have been a team who would have been hungry to go out and try to get a really, really good hitter to add into that starting nine. Uh, what did you make of what the Angels did? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you here, especially when you look at the other best league or division in baseball, which at this point is very strongly considered to be the American League West. Like the Rangers and Astros both load, both load up and get these, the biggest names that are available on the market in Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. And maybe the Angels are kind of, you know, holding out on a prayer that their in-division competition might not be able to make those big of moves uh, and are, were happy with what they did. I, I agree with you when you're making the stand about we're going for it and we're not trading this once in a lifetime or greater player in Otani. And the one thing I can maybe lean back on is that they are very confident in Mike Trout making a solid return from injury. And and if they can just kind of keep themselves in the mix long enough here for another two, probably plus weeks, the three through three weeks, maybe a month at most. And that final month of the season, getting Trout back in, then put the pedal to the metal and make their final playoff push. That's the only reasoning I can stand behind it because the rest of the American league, you talked about the Mariners a little bit, um, trading away. So not trading Hernandez, like that seems like yep. a sell move. Um, and then the, the central, it, a couple teams, both the guardians brewers kind of, or the Gar- brewers, pardon me in the national league, but like the guardians kind of bounce stuff around pieces in pieces out. There wasn't big adders anywhere else. It was just the Astros and Rangers really. 
Yeah, and Lucas Giolito, by the way, for the Angels, got absolutely torched today by the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> he gave up like nine earned runs in three and two-thirds. A couple of uh, back-to-back bombs at one point there, too. Uh, you mentioned it, Brandon. Verlander goes back to Houston. And then keeping up with the arms race in Texas, Max Scherzer goes to the Texas Rangers as well. Coombsy, is there one of those two moves that maybe you like a little bit more than the other? I don't know. I think... Um... <laughs> The optics for Houston there, I think, look sort of dumb. Like, could you imagine? Imagine next year, hypothetically, if the, the Jays let Matt Chapman walk and he goes and signs a three, four year deal somewhere else. And then the Jays are like, you know what? We should have signed that guy. And they <laughs> trade Ricky Tiedemann to get him back. How mad would everybody be? I mean, like, like yeah. they'd be furious, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean totally. It's a good like, point. Like you can't be, you're not, no Houston Astros fan is sitting there being angry that Justin Verlander is back. They shouldn't be, but it's just, it's a weird optic. It's like, why not just pony up and sign this guy in the first place last off season? But alas, it's an interesting thing for the Mets because they went and spent a bazillion dollars on these two pitchers over the past couple of off season and they fire them off. Plus their closer, Dave Robertson down to Florida as well. And they've done a really nice job at restocking their prospects. And it almost feels like Steve Cohen's kind of just bought a farm system here. Like he went and signed Verlander in the offseason, makes, you know, 15, 20 starts or whatever for the Mets. And they trade him away for a top prospect. And, you know, they're eating a bunch of money. It's that's kind of what it is. And I wonder if, you know, there was so much air and animosity among the owners last offseason when Cohen was spending all this money. I wonder if it's going to be the same thing like the Mets uh, all that information leaked out that there was the drama with Max Scherzer and they had to get him to waive his option for next year. They had all that crap going on. And then he leaked his conversation essentially with yeah. the Mets front office saying, Oh, like now they're not going to be competitive and wonder if the Mets in this, in, in this upcoming off season are just going to go spend a bunch of cash so they can trade guys off and sort of buy a farm system. It's interesting. I know some people might be listening and like, oh, you guys are talking out of two sides of your mouths. You were just at the, earlier in the episode saying we want Tay Oscar back. But I think the <laughs> difference would be the Jays didn't let Tay Oscar walk for nothing. Mm-hmm. They got two assets for him, one of which has been very good this year at the major league level. And if they would have brought him back, it would have been for small pieces, right? Prospect yeah. again in double A, high A. The Astros gave up a couple of really good prospects to get him back. And it's like you said, why would you not have just signed him uh, right off the bat? Uh, Brandon? I think that's kind of it. Hey, like, I mean, Montgomery went to the Rangers, but that was a pre deadline move. Like nothing else that significant happened. Hey, no, the, the uh, one thing I wanted to bring up about the Orioles move to get Jack Flaherty, like they gave up a pretty decent little, little package here. Like Cesar Prieto is an infielder and left-handed pitcher drew prom. Both these guys have major league upside, particularly mm-hmm. Prieto. Um, and then the last piece of that was Zach Showalter, no relation to Buck Showalter <laughs> in case anybody was wondering, because as soon as I saw that name, I immediately had to do a Google search on it. But uh, the, the Orioles also got another pitcher, Logan Reinhardt from the twins. It, this is just another depth move. Like he has been in the, um, he down in double or high A, pardon me, but he's already 26 years old, never been pitched above the high level. Like it's just an organizational depth thing. I, I was surprised by the Orioles not doing more like Flaherty is a great ad and they needed, needed it, but I thought they would do more to, to bolster the middle of the bullpen as opposed to getting another uh, starting arm. So a little, little curious. There you go. Uh, Brandon, big shout for the AL East report, which leaked into just basically an entire American League report. Uh, we'll step aside for a quick break here and come back. Talk about what's going, what's been going on on the field over the last couple of days for the Jays. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, Cam, we were both hoping the Jays were going to take three or four from the Orioles, and (laughs) they will not. Uh, They are going to be scratching and clawing just to split this series here and taking a look tonight, game three of the series, which gets going in a few hours. It's going to be Yusei Kikuchi against Grayson Rodriguez. Rodriguez has not been great on the year as a whole, but he is coming off a pretty good start or a really damn good start against the New York Yankees. You say Kikuchi, on the other hand, he's strung together a handful of really, really good starts. You go back to July 16th against Arizona, four and two thirds, only one earned run, only two hits. Seattle on the 21st, no earned runs, even though he gave up five hits against the Dodgers. He found a way to get them through six innings, again, only allowing one earned run. That's only two earned runs in his last three starts, and he's pitching to the fifth inning in every single one of them. Kikuchi's pitching good. They're going to need him to be strong tonight because this Orioles team, they are hitting everything right now. They've been getting on the Jays starters early. It's been a nightmare start to this series for Toronto. Yeah, it's 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 really funny to go and look back. Um, I think Brandon's clip of um, our predictions for the series, it was either yesterday or something like yeah. that. And, and our predictions were like, Jordan Hicks is going to come in and strike somebody out with a 104-mile-an-hour fastball. Hyunjin Ryu is going to come in and the crowd's going to go wild. George, George Springer's going to bust out of his slump. Damn yeah. it. Yeah, oh my God. And then none of that happens. I mean, the, the O's just beat the wheels off of the Jays right after the trade deadline. I'm sure we would all feel thrilled about what the Jays got up to at the trade deadline. If that was the reverse role, the Jays won that game 13-3. to Yunju pitches a master class like we were talking about, but none of that happened. I don't know, man. The Jays have a very difficult time with the Baltimore Orioles and the AL East as a whole, like, this whole week could be a season-changing week. Jays can't win a game against Baltimore here. I think we can all wipe out the possibility of winning the AL East. And then next up, you got Boston, too, right away. I mean, they're right there in the standings. If 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 this kid... Like, the Blue Jays haven't beaten the Red Sox yet this year. <laughs> if that trend continues, then, man, like, we're, we might be showing up on Monday chatting about this, and the Jays are on the outside of a playoff spot looking in. So let's hope the vibe shift here. But the, the game on Wednesday, Grayson Rodriguez, rookie pitcher, who's been up and down with great stuff 
not amazing results. That's just like the epitome of the kind of pitcher who always does well against the Jays. So we need Yusei Kikuchi. We need the revenge tour to show up and make a stop in Toronto tonight against against the Orioles. The, the Jays need a masterclass pitching performance. They need someone to have a day at the plate. Something's got to happen because... Man, oh man, if they lose this Wednesday game and they're staring down the barrel of a four-game sweep at home to the O's, that ain't it. Nope. With runners in scoring position, you ready for this one? 0 for 10 in game one of the series against the Orioles left nine runners on base. 0 for 7 in game two, three runners left on base. The bats have not been coming through for the Jays. Just five runs through the first two games of this series, but they are getting a guy tonight from the Orioles bump with an ERA north of six. So here's the hope in the Jays can find a way to turn it on. Uh, just quickly, what'd you make of Hunjin Ryu in his first start? It, he got hit hard a bunch of times. And then I was listening to Buck Martinez be like, wow, what an, what a first couple of innings. This is about as good as it could have gone for Ryu. And I was like, Buck, what game are you watching, man? Like his command looked good. It wasn't disastrous. But if you're walking away from that going, boom, he's our fifth starter for the rest of the season. I think you're kidding yourself. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. There was some things to like about it, but um, I tuned into the game in about uh, like 15 minutes late and Baltimore already had three hits. And I, I saw on my phone and I was like, oh, no, this is rough. I mean, there was some things to like along the way. Like I picked up some strikeouts, had some guys whiffing through the off speed pitch, picked some painted some corners. It was like, oh, yeah, that's vintage Ryu. That's what we love to see. But uh, to be totally honest with you, it looked it looked a lot like those starts we saw in early 2022. And even even down the stretch in 2021 where the velocity was down. It was pretty hittable. The ball was being hit quite hard. I thought, I really thought after he got out of five innings, it was like, all right, five innings turned runs, take this and leave it. Like that's a win. And they let him go back out there and immediately allows the home run. And it's like <laughs> not ideal. So, I mean, I think it, it was good enough for some encouragement. Yeah, this guy can contribute down the stretch, but I, I don't think I'm going to sit here and think, oh, yeah, we got 2020 Hinton Ryu back. <laughs> yeah, like it again, I'm not I'm not trying. I shouldn't be too hard on him because first start back after basically over yeah. a year off. Like, yeah, him coming out and dominating the Orioles wasn't going to happen. If he has another start like that, I start to really have concerns. If he puts together three straight starts like that, I think the. The six man rotation, you, you throw it out the window before the month of September even rolls around. Cause at least I think with Manoa, there's a bit more upside in the sense that if he gets hot, you got a Cy Young caliber pitcher. We saw it last year with Ryu. I don't see that same upside, but I'm willing to give him a little bit more rope. Again, one mediocre start should not be like pull the plug on this thing. You give him more looks. And I'm not trying to be too hard on him, but I just listening to Buck kind of talk about how great that start went. I was like, I, I think you're reaching a little <laughs> bit here, Buck. Um, but yeah, Jays dropped back to back. The slumps uh, with the sticks. That's the other big story here. Like Vladdy's been held hitless in four or five, I think. George Springer's bordering on a franchise yeah. record when it comes to his over streak as well. If he didn't hit it already, it, it's ugly, man. And they need those two specifically to really get going. Yeah, the George Springer thing. You look at his numbers now. His OPS is 695. Terrible. Like, it's not even like, oh, yeah, he's hitting below his career average. He's got a, you know, 790 OPS. It's just kind of not the best. No, it's like 
you know, uh, so I, I saw someone on Twitter point this out, and I cannot remember who it was, but they <laughs> compared um, George Springer's numbers, and it was similar to what Jose Bautista was hitting before he arrived in Toronto in breakout season with the Blue Jays. So <laughs> they have pre-breakout Jose Bautista. It's George Springer right now. <laughs> That's yeah. So the vibes are yeah. We, well, the vibes are not where we thought they would be. It's it's. I'm circling back to the pitchers. Could you imagine? looking back to like January, February, March or whatever, and being like, who's going to be Toronto's number five starter? Hyunjin Ryu, whose velocity is way down, or Alec Manoa. We're kind of like, neither. <laughs> like it's, it's shocking the way things have turned out. Yeah. Um, if you had Jose Barrios and Kevin Gosman being neck and neck in a baseball reference war, oh boy. I mean, all the power to you for whatever crystal ball you're using, because that'd be something. Uh, hopefully... too. Yeah. He's uh he's right up there, man. He's probably the third most reliable starter right now. Yep. Uh yep. Kikuchi goes tonight. Gosman goes in the series finale, and then they'll have Barrios to kick off the series. Or sorry, Manoa to kick off the series against the Red Sox. So here's Great. the open the Jays in Savage. It'd be a very Blue Jays thing to go like beat the hell out of the Orioles twice now, and then we'd be sitting there being like, Oh my god, if you could have just squeaked out the win in game one or whatever, like Again, it, it would be perfectly in line with this season because we'd walk out of the series with a split, which we should be happy about. But you'll be sitting there being like, God, this team just leaves you wanting more consistently, even when the results do come. So hopefully the Jays bounce back. Our friends at Patano have them as minus 122 favorites for this evening's game against the Orioles. Coombsy, any closing thoughts here on the pod? Yeah, I think I agree with you. The most Blue Jays thing imaginable, and I think I'm going to lock this in as, as my prediction, is they're going to win the final two games against Baltimore, win the Manoa start against Boston, their first win against the Red Sox all year, and then lose the next two games against the Red Sox. And then lose the two they should win against the Red Sox. Yeah, that that would make a lot of sense. Uh, You enjoy these next couple of games. We'll recap the Orioles series in a couple of days and get set for that Bo Sox series as well. Coomsey, chat with you then. I will try my best to enjoy them. Best wishes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.